Welcome to Buzzed with Brian. I am your host, Brian. We're going to talk about beer, the history, and drinking. Hey there, beer fans. Welcome back to another episode of Buzz with Brian. Thank you so much for tuning in this week and every week. I could not do this without you all. And in spirit of that, if you don't follow along on my social media, please do, at Buzz with Brian. Great content on there. And if you haven't given me a review or hit that subscribe button yet on your favorite listening platform, do that as well. I think that's worth your while. So as we get into this style history here for today, that's right, we have a style history episode. This is the last week of April, and I thought, hey, let's get geared up. Let's do something that's seasonally appropriate. We're going to go over the Maybach. That's right. A wonderful German delight, the Maybach today. But before we get into what we have on, we are sponsored by flowers. That's right. Because without April showers, you would not get May flowers. On this week's episode, we have some familiar names, some familiar concepts, some familiar history that's going to be popping up with the Maybach. The beer that we have is the Eye of the Beer Holder, and this is an amorphic beer out of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. That's right. I had Ron Hockersmith, the co-founder and director of beer there on my podcast, episode 28, I believe, if you haven't checked it out. And then I've also, this beer is special because it's a collaboration brew with Garth's Brew Bar here in Madison, which is a great establishment. It's been featured on the pod um, during the Monroe Street Craft Beer Week episode, during one of my homebrewers episodes. Garth is a great guy. He makes um, great collaboration beers with all these places, and he sells great craft beer in high quality fashion at his place as well. So I'm excited to share this beer with you all today. It's, of course, going to be a little uncharacteristic of a traditional Maybach because it does have that amorphic, um, amorphicness to it, if you will. But I can't wait to share it with you and go over the history of the Maybach here for today. On to today's show. Before I kick off today's episode, I think I need to kind of clear up some air here on something that I may or may not have said on a previous episode. And when I say previous episode, I mean almost over a year ago, one of my very first episodes. And that would be number three when I went over the Helle's Lager. So in the Helle's Lager episode, I referred to, you know, it's as a Munich Helle's, which is appropriate. But I also said in that episode that it is sometimes referred to as a Helle's Bach. Now, that might not be totally correct, but it also might not be totally wrong. Either way, we're going to go over the distinction today and make it a more, uh, I guess, clear picture between Helle's Lager Munich Helle's versus a Helle's Bach, my Bach, <laughs> versus also, I guess, a traditional Bach, because I did go over traditional Bachs in episode 11. There'll be a little bit of a tie-in there. So... In the modern sense of beer judging and the style guidelines, there is a distinction between a Munich Helles slash Helles Lager and a Helles Bach or Heller Bach and a slash My Bach. So to start, the characteristics of today's episode's beer, the My Bach, the Heller Bach, um, it's definitely a hop-centric version of a traditional Bach beer that pours a pale to light amber color. So that's going to be darker than a traditional Bach typically speaking. Um, it will still have all the malty goodness we expect with a German lager. My box can give off a lightly toasted and bready-like character on the malt profile, 
and the ABV here is going to range from 6 to 8% with 20 to 38 IBUs. So a little bit of a step down or very similar to a traditional Bach beer. Now, back to clarify the Munich Helles or the Helles Lager, right? This beer is going to pour even brighter. Um, it's typically going to be pale to golden in color. Uh, the ABV is also going to be a little more sessionable, so 4.8 to 5.6%, which I did say in my episode 3, as well as 18-25 IBUs. So we're going to get a little sweeter, a little more malt-centric, and the malt profile on a Helles lager or a Munich Helles beer is going to be more bready, cracker-like, with some noble hop flavor, giving you more of a floral spice note, as opposed to... Um, the hop-centric Maybach giving you some more bittering notes uh, um, in the hop profile of the beer. So that being said, the Maybach, um, and even more so the Helles Lager, both of these beers, very closely related, certainly to the history as well as we're about to dive into, but very closely related, and both are great transition beers, you know, as we are <laughs> burrowed in and covered up in all of our blankets in the dark winter months and we're you know enjoying our heavier beers our winter warmers and now we're starting to get into spring and we want to enjoy these lighter beers of summer both the Maybach and the Helles Lager the Munich Helles serve that purpose to give you the nice transition from one to the other so now that I've got that cleared out the distinction the modern day distinction between Maybach and Helles Lager let's get into some history To start it off here, I need to do a quick flashback to episode 11. As I alluded to before, that was my traditional Bach episode. We're going to just kind of glance over some stuff, and I'm actually going to detail some things I didn't say in that episode. So you're going to get some bonus content on the traditional Bach beer today, so stay strapped in. But quick flashback, Bachs are a very traditional dark lager from northern Germany, dating back to the 14th century as is mostly accepted in a town called Einbeck. Uh, by the late 1500s to early 1600s, the Bach started to travel south and ended up in Munich in the Bavarian state. Uh, and then, of course, Einbeck to Bach comes from the different dialect that Bavarians used, that they spoke with. You know, they started to mispronounce this beer from Einbeck as Einbach. And boom, <laughs> we end up with the naming of the Bach-style beer. And let us not forget that Einbach means goat, and that's why there's usually goats depicted in the labeling of Bach beer. It just has been tradition, and it's that's where we're at. Now, that's the Cliff Notes version of traditional Bach beer history. Keep in mind that up until this point, Bavaria was essentially an all-ale place, and the incoming of a lager-style beer was a new concept, and in some cases took a while to, you know, took some time to really catch on. So why did these Bach beers start to make their way down to Bavaria in the first place? You know, what was that all about? Well, Einbeck had a really big reputation for making great beers. That's right. Big surprise. A different part of Germany also made great beers. Uh, the area had reason to do this. So the area had cultivated wheat and barley for a great deal of time. Wow. Okay. One of the main resources, one of the main products going into beer. Check. 
In addition to that, they are really ahead of their time for malting techniques. Uh, they practiced air drying their malts in breezy lofts, which avoided the darkening associated with kilning malts at the time. And then additionally, they also had prosperous hop cultivation and soft brewing water. Boom, they've hit the trifecta. They just need to figure out in the <laughs> 13 and 1400s how they can get airborne yeast strains to be more cultivated, you know? Amazing. So now add in the fact that Einbeck not only had all the ingredients and a great way of utilizing the ingredients, but they were also at the center of an established trading federation across Northern Europe, and it was only a matter of time before the beers were shared both near and far. Hence, coming down to Bavaria and Munich in the late 1500s. So, that's my extra little tidbit on the Bach, traditional Bach beer today. Now moving into the creation of our Maybach or our Heller Bach style beer. And this all started with the establishment of Hofbräuhaus House in 1589. Duke Wilhelm V of Bavaria was the original person in charge of Hofbräuhaus, House, and he was a fan of brown beer and the tra traditional ales that Bavaria produced. And you're thinking, okay... Where does the Bach come in then? Where Where is this slightly paler colored beer coming in? Well, his son, Maximilian I, uh, was not as keen on brown beers, and he had a desire to shift the brewery to something lighter and new, um, and he tinkered away, tinkered away, and it still wasn't up to the standards of what is coming out of Einbeck. So... When you can't, when you can't beat him, what do you do? Join him, right? So Maximilian I poached a guy by the name of Elias Pilcher out of Einbeck, and Pilcher was thought to be the godfather of Bach beer in Munich. Um, he cross-pollinated both the traditional brewing methods of Bavaria with lager bottom fermenting yeast, and as the story goes, he tinkered away from it when he came to Munich and he produced the first Maybach for Hofbräuhaus in 1614. It was so called a Maybach as he brewed the beer in winter and he laid it down to rest and then opened it up in the spring at the month of May. Um, Bavarians continue to enjoy this beer as a symbol of better times to come and coinciding with the departure of winter. So the Maybach is truly a seasonal beer. Um, and then now you're saying, Brian, where's the tie-in with the Helles Lager, just the Munich Lager, you know, the distinction that you talked about earlier and all the history you went over in episode three. Right. So over the years, and we fast forward to the 1800s, as I talked about in episode three, the popularity of the lager style beer became more and more prevalent and not only in Germany, but all across Europe. And with that lager popularity combined with continued improvements in malting technology and methodology led to the even paler version of the Maybach, a.k.a. the Helles Lager. And then the rest was kind of history. We continue to get into modern day society where we need to establish beer judging guidelines. And they became two very distinct styles, but very, very similar. So that's a wrap up on the history. And I appreciate you all joining in. Let's get into the brewery for the day. This section today is going to be pretty brief. We've already had Amorphic Beer on the show. This is actually one of the first times we've had 
kind of a repeat offender or a repeat beer, repeat brewery on the podcast, which is exciting. Uh, but Amorphic Beer, as you all know, or if you don't know, you ought to know because, wow, they make amazing beers, <laughs> uh, is in the River West neighborhood of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Uh, and they opened up on December 9th of 2021, so they're not quite to their second anniversary yet. Another cool thing that is an update from the last time I talked about Morphic Beer, though, is that River West neighborhood, there are five breweries now that have a bus, a free bus, that's right, free (laughs) bus that will run in between each of the five breweries every Saturday at very frequent times. So great way to go out, see multiple breweries, you got a designated driver already taken care of, amazing. If you don't know that yet, that's really something cool to check out when you're in Milwaukee and an easy way to knock off a lot of breweries. Um, So as I said, you should really know Amorphic Beer. Uh, I had the privilege and the honor of Ron Hockersmith, the co-founder and director of beer there, sitting on the pod and chatting with me. That was episode 28. Give that a listen. He goes over some really nerdy stuff about the beers that we tried that day, some really neat stuff about the historic building that they are in in the River West neighborhood, as well as his journey with beer and how he's got everything started. And the big thing that you need to know about Amorphic Beer, if you don't, is that their slogan is beer without shape, meaning that they don't follow any particular style guidelines. I know in my style history and characteristics, especially the characteristics. I just kind of harped a little bit on the delineation between the Maybach, Helles, uh, Bach, Hellerbach, and versus the Munich Helles or Helles Lager. Ron doesn't care about that stuff. <laughs> He's going to make beer that he wants to make. And if it doesn't fit into a neat little box, that's okay. And I think that's really, really cool. That's something that they do. And that pretty much guarantees that anytime you walk in, they're going to have a variety of beers to choose from. And, any beer drinker will be able to find something that they like anytime they visit. Uh, And they can also spark up some really great conversations. So if you're, you're in luck and you catch Ron while you're there, tell him that, Hey, listen to buzz with Brian heard about you on the podcast. Let me talk about your beer for the day. And I'm sure he'd be happy, more than happy to sit down and chat with you. So with that, let's get on to today's beer. Sitting in my hand, I have the eye of the beer holder, so I guess I'm the beer holder, quite literally in this sense. As mentioned, this is a collaboration brew, as denoted on the can. Our friends at Amorphic Beer in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and Garth's Brew Bar teamed up together for this. On the brew day when Garth went to Milwaukee, he also brought along um, podcast listener here and fan, Tim Vernig. He's the lead beer tender at Garth. So shout out to Tim. You have to give him an honorable mention as well on the making of this beer. And we are enjoying this out of a 16 ounce traditional pounder today. And the beer is weighing in at 7.1%. On the can, it's labeled as a citrus infused Maybach. It includes European Pilsner malts, Canadian honey malts, um, as well as Mandarin Bavaria hops and sweet orange peel as an adjunct. And then, of course, the curveball here, you know, can't be a curveball without um, being an amorphic beer. It has a Czech lager yeast strain, so not your typical uh, German yeast strain for a typical German beer. So with that, I can't wait to drink this beer and share it with you all. Let's get on to this pour. 
All right, this beer is pouring out a beautiful color. That's right. We have a gold to a light amber hue. You bring it up to the light and it really starts to shine because the clarity on this is brilliant. I mean, it's a lagered beer through and through. You can see right through it. There's just a thin layer of foam, just a nice thin white foamy head um, accumulating on the top of this as a nice little blanket for the beer. And with that, let's get in for a smell. What's the aroma bring? Mm, yes, that's nice. First and foremost, a, a very nice caramel, bready malt character, and there's just a hint of orange citrus. Yeah, and then it it's fairly pronounced hop tone on the end. The hop note is giving me a touch of spice, and really just a further continuation of that orange, but more coming from like the bitter rind of the orange is almost what I'm getting. So let's get in for a sip, shall we? Hmm. Okay, odd on the primer. One more. Yeah, that's that's peculiar. One more. Okay, so it's it's strangely neither hop or malt forward for me. You know, I, you think Bach beer, and you're like, oh, it's gonna be a malty malt forward beer, no no doubt. But there is a little. I feel like I'm getting a little bit of both right off the bat. Um, and it's slightly sweet with both a honey and an orange characteristic to start. So I guess maybe it is a little more malt forward now that I'm mulling this over and getting more uh, sips in. But most of that sweetness is really coming through mid-palate for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the mid-palate continues to kind of just give away to that malt profile. And there's like a real like uh, like a honey butter spread on toast effect for me. That's That's what I'm getting out of the malt bill. And as I drink more of this, the finish is really, you know, that, that sweetness that I'm getting mid-palate, is it's balanced out by a burst of bitterness on the end. Yeah, as I get into more of it, uh, the bitterness is oddly, the orange flavor keeps building and it's giving way into the bitterness. And it's that orange, like the rind, like the white part of the orange again, it's like coming at me and giving me that bitter note. Overall, it finishes mildly dry, and there's definitely the crispness of the lager, which I really enjoy and would have expected from this beer, despite you know it being amorphic and they have to spice it up, but I would expect it still to be a lager-esque beer considering it's a lager, uh, Czech lager yeast strain that was used. So the balance and drinkability of this beer, I mean, balance, another great example of a really dynamic beer here that I have in my hand both hop and malt, you get the best of both worlds, sweet, sweet and bitter, all those characteristics are at play. The drinkability uh, of this one, it's pretty filling on the body. And I think I'm, can, I can feel that 7.1% you know, ABV setting in, um, but I could see enjoying this beer with a nice salted meat product. And honestly, that begs to ask, I don't know if German beers are designed for bratwurst or if bratwurst is designed for German beer. That is a debate that will forever go on in my head. So with that, I'm going to continue to enjoy this beer and drink the rest of it, and we'll get on to some ratings. Coming into this segment, I'm not going to lie. I have been sweating some bullets here, thinking back and forth on how am I going to rate this beer, you know, I know Ron. I've seen him on two occasions. He's been on the podcast now. He's a great guy. Obviously, I know Tim and Garth from Garth's Brew Bar that also had a hand in this beer. 
Garth has also been on this podcast multiple times, and I just, I can't, I can't. <laughs> I'm nervous to give them a bad score, but I'm going to try to keep it real here and keep it honest. So, 025, uh, when I first opened up this beer and took my first few sips, you know, I think I made that comment that it was odd and I was trying to think through what I was tasting. And I think that's just true to brand for the amorphic beer style. It's going to give you some intrigue. It's going to make you question what's in your glass and you're going to have to kind of think through it a little bit more. And as this beer warmed up though, I will say as the beer warmed up and I got to the bottom of it, wow, some of the flavors just started to have bigger complexities and more layers from the malts, from the hot bitterness. It was just a really well-balanced beer and I can't get over that. And I think from appearance standpoint, even with, you know, the Chex Lager yeast strain utilized, the appearance, spot on for a Maybach, spot on. And the flavor profile, pretty much all there too, just with a little pizzazz. So I'm going to give this a pretty solid score of a 4.0 out of 5. And that's review. All right, beer fans, that wraps up today's episode. Thank you again for listening this week and every week. I hope you all learned something new today as we tackled the Mybox style, and hopefully we're getting into some spring weather here, and we can enjoy getting outdoors more often and enjoying some beers out on some patios. Uh, speaking of that, if you want to enjoy the beer I had today, certainly, um, or any of Amorphic's beers, they do have a Find My Beer feature on their websites. Um, and of course I would urge you to go check out Amorphic Beer's actual physical space. It's super cool. They've got both a patio in the front, speaking of outside beers and a beer alley and the side in between the building they're in and the building adjacent to them. It's really, really neat. And they've also started opening up their kind of like adjunct event space and having some live music there. So some really neat things going into year two for Ron and the Amorphic gang there. But if you want to find their beers out in the wild, you can certainly find them sprinkled all across Milwaukee and then kind of in between the Milwaukee and Madison areas. And specifically, the beer we had on today is available, last time I checked, still at Garth's Brew Bar on drafts. And they definitely have it in cans. And I know Garth also went a little crazy and bought a lot of different other amorphic beer offerings and cans so either for on-site consumption or to go so check out garth's brew bar on monroe street west side of madison big fan of that place as well um certainly if you're looking for something else besides amorphic i'm sure he's got it too so (laughs) with that that wraps everything up today thank you again for tuning in if there's anything that you want to see on the show feel free to write in at buzzwithbrian at gmail.com. Drop me a message in my um, DMs on Instagram at buzzwithbrian. Of course, follow along on, on the Instagram and social media if you're not. I'll post about this episode and all episodes to come. And if you want to give me a like, a follow, subscribe, you know, maybe a review on your favorite podcast listening platform, that's very helpful for me too. Thank you again so much. Can't wait to get back on the mic again soon here and enjoy another couple beers. See you all in May. Cheers, beers. Cheers.